Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Lios Enchim Anyavu. Greetings, everyone. May the Creator bless you all. And welcome to my podcast, The Good Do E Medicine Podcast. I'll be your host, Pete Rodriguez. Let's see, what's today? Saturday, September 30th. So welcome to the podcast, Snowbird Rodriguez. I got a, it's almost like my last name, Rodriguez, but yours is with the Q. Like a little bit of Q, yeah. And finally, finally glad to have you on the podcast. I know we had, we're going back and forth. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm really curious because you're at a different time zone. What? Where are you located really quick? I'm in Tucson, oh. Arizona. Arizona time is kind of weird. Right now it's three it's eighteen and we don't observe um daylight, daylight savings time. Yeah. It's the same time in California as here, but we're in a different time zone. But you're central, yeah. right? Yes. Oh yep. Um so it's about five eighteen here. Uh-huh. And I am I'm on the Cheyenne and Arapaho land out here in El Reno, Oklahoma, just right outside That's of right. Concho. Um, so I'm just right off their actual res out here. Um, shout out to the Arapaho people. Yes, it's beautiful land out here. Truly incredible people. Um, all good things. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm so happy you're here, Snowbird. Um, really quick, if you could introduce yourself, if you have a tribal affiliation um, for yeah. our listeners. Yes, so I know a lot of people introduce themselves in their language. Um, I'm learning my language, our language, a lot more, but I'll I'll give it a give it a go. Leo Sin Shawniavu Ketchamalea, Inipo Sapawiketea, Inipo Yaki. Am I saying it right? Yaki Pueblo? Actually yeah. I would say Yaki. I would say my Pueblo and then say uh Hoak, right? Yeah. I'm still learning now. Bear bear with me. <laughs> No, that's so, sounded perfect. Thank you. I'm I'm working on it. Shout out to our language keepers. Seriously, um, yes, definitely. Yeah, thank you. They, yeah, that's really who you know. They help keep us alive, so it's very important. Um, so in English, my name is Snowbird Rodriguez. Um, I live here in again. I live here in a in Oklahoma. I am Yaki and Apache, and. I'm a dancer. I'm a jingle dress mm-hmm. dancer, chowows, old style, and I make all different types of regalia um, from dance regalia to like just different traditional regalias and beadwork. Um, I don't really choose like what I work on or like what comes to me. It really does just come to me, those, those visions and like moccasins, for instance, I tried for a a long time to try to figure out moccasins and I could not figure them out. So I just gave up. But when my nephew, my, I started go, uh, I started working on these moccasins. Like I just mm-hmm. had this vision to do it. And, um, it was for my nephew my sister went into, uh, into labor and I made these moccasins. So wow. again, it really, those things really just come to me like that. So, so yes. And, um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here and talk with you guys. Well, thank you. I know we kind of met, not really met in real life, IRL, I like to put, but I know <laughs> we were on Facebook and I kept seeing your work and your beadwork and also your dancing. And I said, oh, she's tribal. She's Yoema. She's Yaki. So I was like, I got to have her on the podcast. It was like almost a year. So it's like, I know it's been, in. it's been a long time finally for us connected. To get this going. So this is awesome. So I'm really excited. Um, yeah. And but um, I know we didn't have a chance. I didn't like to 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 check out the bio too much, but I know you're in Oklahoma. Um, what else? I I work here for our uh, Pascoyaki tribe. I work yeah. in in. I guess our HR. I'm just gonna put it down. I okay. work in human resources here at the tribe. I've been here for 28 years. Um, do you do anything else, or is that your main yeah. um, work? Is working with the um, with your uh, with your craft? I guess your what you do there in Oklahoma, or do, yeah. or do you craft even want to say? No, craft is a good word. Okay. Um, no, yeah, I work full time. I am a okay. banker. I'm a personal banker. Ooh. I'm hoping that for the evaluation, it's pretty intense. It's like a banking bar and uh, nice. for to become a senior personal banker. So that's a really big deal for me. It's really intense. You have to know every federal regulation uh, pertaining mm -hmm. to banking financial institutions, you know, what they stand for their acronyms, when they apply, how they apply, just all of that kind of stuff. It's really intense, but I really, really enjoy it. It's, uh, it's oh, good. I like, I like numbers. I'm a kind of a numbers person. And so that's what I do for work. I have, um, I have a son, he is 12 years old oh. and he, he experiences high, uh, high functioning autism and he's the greatest guy ever. He's a gamer and a YouTuber. Hey. <laughs> and um, he's he's a real good guy. So that's, cool. that's like that's my other my other stuff that I do. Yeah, my son's my son's older. He's twenty seven, but he's also a gamer. He loves games. And I have another yeah. friend. He's really cool too. He's also a banker, but he lives in uh, Southern okay. California. Um, okay. Maybe you guys should chat, but he's, he's also indigenous, but that's cool. I didn't know you were a banker. That's so neat. Yeah. I, I have another friend, actually one of my colleagues, he works with me. He's, um, he worked with Charles Schwab. I think that's the way you pronounce it, but he's all into numbers too. And I'm like, I can't even balance my checkbook. I can't, <laughs> I can't. I'll just like get to the end and it's always off. And all I do is just put adjusted boop and i make it balance i make I'm, it enough <laughs> i make it balance or i'll put negative if it's if it's like negative or positive i always want it to be like positive and i think okay that's cool and i'll just i'll make You're it like, balance. That's all. as never, long as it's positive never, that's a it never balances my checkbook never once in i don't know how long well they say uh, that math is a universal language so true and today is officially, which is awesome, meant to be today is International Podcast Day. Wow. And okay. We're doing this on, on International Podcast Day. So that's awesome. Okay, Snowbird, thank you for letting us know a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what you do. Now, the next question I have for you, do you have any 
anything you want to share with us like a maybe a personal story or something a message or anything that you want to share with our listeners and uh, something um, that you want to share that that you really really want to for people to know about snowbird um, that you don't mind sharing with our audience yeah um and thank you so there's a lot i want to share honestly i think that i will start with where the ancestors started to really come to me Mm because that's where it really sent me on this journey of you know finding out more in depth of who we are who my people my bloodline is and my father's story um and so i'll start there when my son was um well, first, I guess I will say the only time I ever went to a powwow was in the desert. Um, I believe we were in Arizona and we drove. I lived on the Four Corners area like most of my life. Um, yeah. and to, well, most of my young life. And then when I was almost 12, I left and went up to where my mom's family and stuff is from. Um, so the only time I'd ever seen a powwow is when we drove for a long, long way and we crossed over. It was the... Um, the Paiute, I believe, that we were going to see. Mm-hmm. And it was the only time I'd ever seen a powwow until I was a lot older. So I didn't understand or know anything like the origins of the dances or what they meant, any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. When my son was about three, four years old, um, he was really struggling with a lot of things with uh, with speech and socialization and food aversion. He was having a really hard time And I had a dream that I was standing in a very old mirror and there was an elder standing behind me and I was wearing a jingle dress. I didn't even know it was called a jingle dress at the time. I was calling it a fancy dress. Mm -hmm. And uh, this elder, I was looking in the mirror and I could see her behind me and I could see myself in this dress. And the elder, um, she she um and I have to take that back because she was it really wasn't an elder it was honestly somebody that I do know and it was kind of crazy that this person was in my dream telling me this stuff so um what she told me though is that if I dance that I would be healing somebody's heart for losing a baby and that I would be healing my son's brain in a lot of ways and when I woke up I knew that it was not a dream because for one, <laughs> my whole life I've had special things happen to me and and uh, those kind of abilities. So I knew as soon as I woke up, it was not just a dream. It was really intense and it, it meant something. I could still feel it like it was, it was still there. Okay. And so right after that, I reached out to a family member um, and told them, a family member out here in in, uh, Oklahoma who knows about powwow ways and I told them this dream that I had and they were pretty shook because it first of all it wasn't a fancy dress it's called a jingle dress and it's quite literally a medicine dress Mm -hmm. and a medicine dance and that that dance came about from the Ojibwe's and um, a father's child was sick and he was he was given the same kind of a vision in a dream that if he made this, these uh, Copenhagen shell cones, <laughs> they're cones, um, that the sound of the vibration, it would heal his child. And so he made this dress and he 
you know, he had them dance and it healed her. And so he passed this um, this dance on for, for all indigenous people to do. He gave that permission to all peoples to do this dance. And again, I didn't know any of this. So when I was told this, I already knew it was real, but it just, every time something happens that brings confirmation, I don't know why I'm still surprised, but I am. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing those stories. Yeah. You know what? A lot of our listeners are are kind of feel the same way when it comes to um like native ways yaki not just tribal yaki but a lot of them a lot of listeners are are well they're native indigenous people but they always want to know more um about their i guess indigeneity or yeah. they're trying to to um research and learn more and and a lot of times they thank me for having the podcast or having guests as yourself on the podcast talking about their experiences and they get inspired by guests like yourself or you know talking about their stories and how they um you know get in touch with their ancestors like I mentioned earlier before we we're talking um one of the biggest things I like to do is like to honor my ancestors and I always say that when I in my um Usually in my bios, like if I know um, some of my bios, I always put down that I'm always honoring my ancestors and everything that I do, even through this podcast or everything that I do um, externally, I'm always honoring my ancestors. I even have a picture of in my office and up here, you can even see those. I know that our audience is not going to see um, this. It's going to be an only audio podcast, but up here I have my mom and dad and way back here. These are my yeah. ancestors up here, my great grandfather and great grandmother up here, and they're all Yaki. It's an old black and white picture of my uncles. It's like the only one I have here. So I'm always yeah. honoring them. And I know they're always watching over me and us yeah. and everyone. But yeah, yeah thank so you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah, so I love uh, the dreams. Um, a lot yeah. of them come to us in our dreams and they're like, well, that's you know, they're dreams, and I don't. I'm like, yes, no, but yeah. they're 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 real. Yeah. That's the way they communicate sometimes as well. Yeah, and I don't know if you watched Reservation Dogs, any of the the episodes, but they show, they um, they touch, a lot of that in the episodes. They they show their uh, like the dreams, um, coming in their ancestors. I don't know. Do yeah. you do you watch that show? So I watched the first season, but I have not gotten to the second season the yet. Second. I've just been, I've been studying so much and mm. I'm working on, I'm working on something right now that's going to be so sick. Um, definitely been so different and I'm cool. excited to get that out. So yeah, I haven't watched the the second season. Um, okay, I, wanted to I, add I won't, I won't give no spoilers, oh. but they always show <laughs> like your ancestors standing behind you. Or yeah. coming to you and talking to you, and they're like, "Who are they talking to?" Well, they're talking yeah. to your ancestors. They're real. Uh -huh. I can see yeah. them. They're right there. But yeah. So, thank you. Do you have another story? I know you were gonna. Well, I was just gonna say I wanted to if... add to that that right okay. after, like a couple of days after mm -hmm. I had this dream, I never beaded before. I never, I never sewed anything. I never did anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I started having these like overwhelming 
like images in my head of how to do all these things, I started beading like right away and flat stitch and nobody had ever taught me any of this stuff. Um, my mom had an old sewing machine. She was, um, she was visiting. I think she was actually out in the four corners. She was, she was visiting my brother out there and she wasn't there to teach me. So I just pulled down her old sewing machine and I watched a YouTube video on how to thread it. Cause I didn't even know how to thread it. And I made my first ribbon skirt, I, I would say within the first week. So again, those it's creator, of course. And, but I also believe you know, it's also our ancestors too. You know, they wanted me to do this dance. Creator wanted me to do this dance. And he made all that possible for me by giving me all of that knowledge. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And you have, and I'm also going to, and you have the, I know I on your, I know it's mostly I'm on social media. I know I've seen some of your work. And mm -hmm. I think you have done even some other, like fashion shows i know you've have you gotten into those maybe you can so talk a little bit about that because i know I, i've seen some of your i don't know if they're reels but i've seen some of your like i guess they're real or videos on facebook and I've seen, yeah you can do that and i can uh, and I, if you want after the um interview you can share your your social media um yeah handles. I that. that way people can find your work and also your the the dance the the ribbon skirts i know i've seen some of your beadwork and some of the other work and i think you do some fashion shows too which is really oh, cool yes. so i'm hoping yes. that's really going well for you maybe you could talk a little bit about that for our listeners as well it is going really well. I was uh, invited to be part of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Fashion Show, mm. and I had my stuff in it, and it was really amazing. My business is called Yaki Woman Designs. Right, that's and, right. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's really cool. And I actually want to say that I'm finishing up this piece right now, and I have one more order for um, for an uh, awesome photographer who helped me out. I just I have to do a hat for him. But okay. after that, I'm actually doing some Yaki, a his and hers matching beaded hats set. And I'm going to be raffling that stuff off because I think I really want to give back to like our Yaki community. There's not a lot of beaders like that, not my style of beading. Mm -hmm. And so I just I just really want to make some cool stuff and, and get it out there for people. That's awesome. I, I remember now. Now it's coming back to me. I haven't I've been so busy here with our business and stuff. So. I remember and I haven't been on social media a lot. Well, I have, but it's been really busy. But I remember seeing all those designs and the hat too. And you were doing something like a raffle as well. Those are really, really cool. Because the tribe, the Yaki people, especially the, um, um, let's see, the older elders, I know that they, they combine a lot of, um, the culture with um, different cultures here, but um, they did a, the Yaki traditional, they did a lot of embroidery. Do you do embroidery? That's really cool too. Oh, I have, Cause I don't yeah. know anything about, I mean, my mom, she's full Yaki. She, she, she was a seamstress. That's what's her trade. So she would make dresses. She would make uh, like, she was more into, cause we kind of, well, if you know the, the Yaqui culture is kind of combined within Mexico and it's combined mm -hmm. a little bit with the Mexican yeah, culture. So she would make like the, 
She would make the ballet folk folklorico uh, dresses for my yeah. sister because she would dance in that. And they used a lot of the ribbons and things. It's almost similar. Yeah, but that's it's what very my sim sister. My sister. That's what my mom did. She was a seamstress, and she would make those dresses. And like you said, no one taught her. She just started making them, and she would make these beautiful dresses. And other people would want her to make dresses as well. But embroidery yeah. too, it looks really, really intense. Well, I don't know anything about, I mean, it'd be cool to learn, but I don't know anything about sewing or beading or embroidery, but that's, it's so neat. Um, I did want to mention that tribe of uh, Yaki, UMA people, we're so talented, so talented. Yeah. Almost everyone I meet, they're either, they do work, artwork, very talented artists, crafts, carving, painting beadwork any type of um, um art or any kind of um music um they're really 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 talented i met a lot of talented um um people here through the podcast and they always have like a natural talent to design and create things it's just it just comes natural i believe to our people I agree. I, we have some incredible artists. I'm honestly blown away all the time when I get on Facebook and see these painters and, you know, yeah, there's yeah. incredible people. And I honestly, I even put our language keepers and teachers in that same category. Um, so, yeah. And uh, as far as the embroidery, that's actually, that's been one of the biggest things heavy on me. And that's, it's just, uh, it's like whenever I get a vision on things or a project or something, it's, it weighs on me until I get it. And I actually just got um, a sewing machine that is specific for embroidery because mm -hmm. I really want to, to start making our regalia. So yeah, I'm on it. That would be awesome. I can't wait to see. Well, I love all your work, but I know embroidery is really big. If you notice the, uh, the traditional yaki dresses they have a mm -hmm. lot of embroidery on the handkerchief for the men the shirt and if you could like put your own snowbird yeah. creativity <laughs> combine the patchy the, yeah. the area influences and, and, yes. oh man it's gonna be so nice it's gonna be so cool we're almost halfway through our interview so before we go on, is there a key message or something you really want to share with our audience? It could be um, something personal. It could be a, a message you want to share. It could be a little bit of history or something that's that's really been influential or about you and maybe that you want to share that you don't mind sharing with us and our audience. Maybe something that I haven't asked that you're like, well, Gosh, I wish Pete would have asked me just just something you want to share with us. Um, um, please, I, I I really love hearing um, our 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 guests and stories they want to share with us because it's all about storytelling. It's really big. That's why I love this format, um, podcasting, audio podcasting. Um, it gives us our, a chance for me, not only me but our guests, to tell our stories. You know, our creation, our stories our history, our, you know, our family history, our ancestors, you know, and it carries on that tradition like we used to do, oral tradition, but now I can do it 
through a podcast and this is going to be live and it's going to be shared and it's going to be kind of keeping that tradition yeah and, that's, and i'm doing it through podcasting that's another reason i really like doing podcasts because we get to share our stories so i'll stop talking and i'll let you share no you're good and thank you and honestly i want to take a moment and just mm-hmm. thank you personally because it's because of this interview that really sent me on this, you know, this uh, search, this this uh, journey of learning my my father's story and learning it in detail. Because mm-hmm. he always told us, and we knew, you know, the the key points of it and everything. But for me, you know, it, it's it's so incredible that I found all of this. So I want to thank you right first. Um, and I'll start off with saying. Um, that my dad was, I want to say how old my dad was so that the dates kind of make sense to you guys because it's okay. it's kind of crazy. My dad was actually born in 1930. So oh. he was a lot, a lot older than my mom. And he died when he was 62. I was only six years old. So I hope that'll kind of make a little bit more sense for you guys when I share the dates and everything. So let's first okay. talk about my my dad's mom. Her name is mm-hmm. Maria Luisa. And she was born in... Um, she was in, born in 1899, and she was born in Perel, Mexico, and she has Yaqui parents. Mm-hmm. Her father was Chino Rayo, which is curling lightning, and he fought alongside Zapata in the Mexican Revolution, and he died in that um, he died in that uh, in that war as well. When Maria Luisa and my grandma, I just call her Grandma Luisa, so that's what you guys will hear me call her that. Um, Mm -hmm. When my grandma was little, she went to, she went to be basically like a servant in these people, in these European people's home. And they also educated her like it was like, a yeah, (laughs) I don't know all the history of the boarding schools and education and how Mm -hmm. those things happened. Um, So if anyone wants to reach out to me and share more on that, because there's not a lot that's talked about um, on the other side of their invisible border of regarding like um, residential schools and boarding schools and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. All I do know is that she was sent there and she was a servant there. She was um, she was also educated by these people as well. And when her dad, um, my great grandpa, Chino, when he died in the Mexican Revolution, she was sent back to her village um, in Perel with her family. And she had really come accustomed to that lifestyle that she was in. And she was not happy to go back to what she always referred to as a mud hut. And she had a lot of prejudice. And I understand it because I understand it from a more educated kind of understanding, if you will, you know, colonial oppression and those things have done a lot of things to make us feel ashamed of who we are. And, you know, they really had a slogan to kill the Indian and save the man. And that's what they tried to do, but we all are still here. So, um, so yeah, so she went back to her, um, to her village there. And then, um, and then I guess I'll stop there and I can go on to my grandpa, my dad's father. Do you want me to just jump right into it? Yes. Just okay. jump right so, in. And a cool fact, my grandmother's name is Maria Luisa. No way. Okay, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And you have the same last name? Watch us end up being related. Eh? <laughs> I know. I'm thinking like that. 
I know. So it could be we're all related anyways. All my right. relations we're, yes. are related somehow. So yeah, but her Very name was Lisa, Maria Luisa. Wow, that's but crazy. But yeah, go ahead and continue. Okay. I'm just listening so, over here. Yeah. <laughs> so my grandfather, my dad's father, his name is Aurelio Standing Tree. And mm-hmm. he was born in the Sierra Madres in one of the last free villages of our people. And I, I knew this story when I was growing up, but I never knew how important that is and what that really means and who I really descend from. It is so much more powerful than I can actually even put into English words. Um, he was a baby when his mom took him off of the mountain and went down to the village, down to the um, Yaqui village, Kokori. I'm probably saying it. I'm butchering it, y'all. Please don't laugh at me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So that is the village that they come from. But when my grandpa, when Aurelio was, because he, um, when they came down, um, when they came down from the mountains, they, my grandma gave him, I get, you know, a, a last name of Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. and when my grandpa was I'm not sure how old but he started working on the railroad and he he put away some money and he bought himself a car and he went into Chihuahua Chihuahua and down into Perel and he went through the village my grandma calls it the mud hut village in this you know what she thought was the most shiniest beautiful car you know that she'd ever seen with this man that just looked probably like a million dollars so (laughs) She was in love instantly and um and they married and they had uh they had children, of course. It's <laughs> obviously my father. And um so I just it was just so incredible though for me to really learn this history in detail like this and to really, you know, go on this journey of learning about my father and his story. And, you know, finding the details of it, actually finding the area, finding the specific village, you know, that he was talking about and Pueblo, you know, we call that, call it that today. It's, it's insane. Like that's my dad, like his dad, I'm a direct link from the last free native people. And, and it's incredible. And I always remember my father, uh, my dad, telling us to be good coyotes. And I never knew what that meant either until you sent me on this journey, Pete. So again, thank you. My whole life, everything was measured by coyotes. Everything was be a good coyote, think like a coyote and move like a coyote because we are the coyote people. I always thought it meant we're coyote clan, but I don't think Yoemi people really call ourselves clans. I think um, it's different. So that never ever changed my whole life I've always you know it it's been really important to me and it's been a part of who I am and finding all of this stuff I found out what he meant by a coyote and where he comes from and and uh and the significance that those people that lived in the mountains had with the coyote and how it kept our people alive that's really interesting a lot of people don't know, but there is a coyote society within the Yaki people. It's not a yeah. clan, but I guess you could, yeah. if for a lack of a better word, it would be a coyote society within the yeah. Yaki people. So that's yes, probably I, where that's probably where that's coming from. 
It's gotta be. I actually asked a language keeper a long time back. I, it was Cesar, I believe. Um, I asked him if we had clans, like if we were clans and he said, no, that would be like society. But mm -hmm. even again, still, it was like, okay, I heard it and it was cool. You know, I was like, oh, that's cool. But learning my dad's history like this and learning about the coyote and all of that stuff and how it was so significant to our people who were in the mountain up there. Um, it, it just, it's crazy. <laughs> so, um, so they had my dad and my dad's name is Ernie Rodriguez. He was born in 1930. And so I kind of already let you guys know my grandma Louisa's point of view on indigenousness, you know, and on, you know, native ways and things like that. She, you know, that colonial oppression was really there for sure. And she was ashamed of it. So mm -hmm. with my dad and hers relationship, it was not a great relationship because my dad um, was wild as she called him. <laughs> and he, um, he was strong in like his I don't even know what you would call it, just his identity, you know, um, and it, they really, they really butted heads because of that. And so my dad left really, really young and he spent a lot of time in prison. He, uh, he had a really, really hard life. He was also a very extreme man. Um, so again, he, he spent 11 years in San Quentin when he was really young. He went in for burglary and other things like that. And he did five years in San Quentin and he got out on parole and he wasn't even out 60 days. And he got in a fight with a man in a bar and he beat that man so bad. And by the time they were, they pulled him off, he was scalping mm -hmm. that man. Yeah. He was literally wow. scalping that man. So he went back to prison for another six years for mayhem. Um, and then he got out and he met some Plains natives, some uh, sun dancers, what he what they call the Red Road. And mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy that I am now out here on their land, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But he met those people and they showed him sun dancing and sweat lodges and the Red Road. And it really changed who he was. So by the time he met my mom and had, you know, children with my mom, he was already on that red road and, you know, reconnecting with his, with, uh, with just the identity of being indigenous, you know? Um, and so that's, uh, that's how that came to be. And they had seven children. I'm the youngest girl, uh, second youngest child. And my dad did die really young, but he didn't let us forget who we were and those stories and now I've been able to confirm them and really track them down through actual paper, like documents, not just stories. And it's so amazing. Um, but yeah, so that is how how we came to be. Like I said, uh, we didn't forget who we were. Right. My older brothers and sisters, unfortunately, my family really has statistics, you know, has really uh, has been in my family for sure as far as incarceration, um, missing and murdered indigenous people. My sister is a part of that. My sister, Anna, rest in peace. Um, and then suicide. So mm -hmm. I have, I have multiple brothers who have committed suicide. And then my sister, my oldest sister, again, is part of the MMIW. So even though, um, you know, they're gone now too, 
I do have an older brother, Jesse, and he still keeps old ways. You know, he still remembers my dad and he remembers the stories and, you know, uh, yeah. So we haven't forgotten. We are a direct link to the last free people. My dad was born to the last free, not the last, but one of the last um, free people. And it's, uh, it's so incredible. So I really have to thank you again and again, because I'm just so proud to be a descendant of these of these incredible individuals and our people, just who we are. We really are. I mean, I'm biased, but I just think we are the best, coolest people ever with the one of the most rich, incredible histories. And yeah, so thank you guys. That is my key message here is that our ancestors will not let us forget. And right. if you ask and pray on it, they will come to you. And they'll remind you of who you are because we are the indigenous people of these lands. We didn't cross borders. Borders crossed us. We are older than the concept of blood quantum, of borders, right. any of those things. We are the Yoeme people, a people who speak with authority. Exactly. Ooh, I love it, Snowbird. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, um, yeah, the blood quantum, a lot of people ask me and they ask also on my website, you know, how can I, you know, they always ask the blood quantum. I say, well, if you're Yaki, if you have even a little drop of blood, you're, you're Yaki, you're our, you know, you're our brothers and sisters, you know, you don't need to have that whatever justification or things like right. that or that number enrollment that's all colonial stuff you know even the blood yes. quantum thing yeah it was a generational plan of genocide that yeah, is genocide. exactly it keeps going lower and lower till there's nothing left well in a couple your plan couple, yeah 10 20 years um, yeah. if it keeps this way a lot of the tribes are gonna be no longer it's gonna be thinned out till nothing nothing's left so yeah, yeah. even I talk about it on my podcast, I think one of my first episodes, I was like, that's a colonial construct. It's it's the yeah. quantum thing. So yeah. don't even think about that. Just do, you know, just do your research, um, connect with your family, your ancestors, do exactly what you're doing and keep their, their um, keep them alive, you know, and everything you do. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. My dad's... Um... Don't forget, you know that they're always going to be around and with you. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you can call on them. They will come. Mm -hmm. My dad's mom came down with, um, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, my, uh, my dad's grandma came down mm -hmm. with her, with his dad, Aurelio, when he was a baby, like I said, but she left a lot of, uh, I'm not, I can't, I didn't write that down. I'll have to get that number again, but she left several older children up there and lots of family and when um, way into like the late, like 40s and everything into, I believe even into the 50s, but mm -hmm. I'll have to check my dates with my family and stuff again. But then they came over through, um, like through Chihuahua, I probably say that wrong, but through Chihuahua, Chihuahua. Mm -hmm. um, yes, up into Texas and then over 
the rest of them went over into LA, which is where my dad was actually born. Wow. Yeah. Actually, our, so, our, our kind of like our history is similar. Rodriguez, maybe we are like kind of. I feel like we low key have got to be related. I know, because no my, my grandfather. And the last name is Rodriguez. My <laughs> so grandfather. Crazy my dad's side he came over from mexico into texas corpus christi and settled in corpus christi texas and that's where he raised his family my dad was born yeah and well they worked in not the railroad but they worked in mostly migrant farmers cotton farmers that's why we see yeah. a lot of uh, the yaki villages here in arizona well now arizona they follow the i guess the interstate the railroad yeah which is right yep. next to the interstate. So if you notice, it comes from Nogales all the way up down to Tucson, up to Phoenix. And you notice it's following the the railroad and the, uh, the, crops. the freeways. Yeah, the crops. And it goes all the way up into, guess where? Yeah. LA, up there yes. to Fresno, to um, all the way up north to um, the Fresno area, to Stockton, California. All my family's yeah. there. My uncle is back in, um, I would say, what is it, uh, middle, I guess, uh, Central California, and his name is Aruelio too. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, kinda, and that's probably, honestly how my family got out there as well. Um, yeah, a lot of families are, are like yeah. that, and similar, yeah, they followed a, they the followed orchards. That. Actually, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. My grandpa Aurelio uh, worked in the orchards. That's what he yep. did, and. The Yaquis are some of the hardest, if not the hardest, workers Absolutely. ever. Absolutely. Ever. Absolutely. They're the only ones that would work from sunrise to sundown in 110 degrees yes. in the railroad, in the cotton fields, and they wouldn't complain. Actually, the, yeah. farm, the, 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 the white, I want to say white owners and all of these yeah. um, um, railroads, they, they even sought out Yaki men and women hey, to can, work i gotta say something about because that because they knew crazy. they would kick butt and they would work right. their asses off no complaints no Absolutely. one else would do that that much work only the yaki people so i don't know if other yoma families did this but my dad um and my mom kept this alive she had us do this mm -hmm. Um, when it would get over 100, 100 plus, even up to mm -hmm. 118 degrees, my dad would have us get up and walk and we'd walk in the desert in the heat. And they said it would make your heart really strong. So why other people were suffering, we would be strong. And nice. yeah, and I believe that that is, that's true. <laughs> I know so people I'm trip like, out. I love that. Yeah, I know people trip out like my dad's 88 and he works right now. He drives himself to work. Yeah. He works part-time and he's 88 years old. I yeah. thrive in the sun. I'm a sun worshiper. So Same I love now. the sun. A desert and I cannot, I don't, once it drops below 75, I can't. Yeah. yeah I so. don't like the cold. I, it's like horrible, but we're, yeah. yeah, we're desert people. We're, we love the sun. We thrive in the sun yes. and the heat. Desert Indians for sure. Def definitely yeah and there's a lot of people that don't realize well do you guys live in teepees no do you guys have moccasins no <laughs> not really in the desert you're not going to be wearing moccasins right you know it's too hot we have mud adobe yeah. 
you know, things like that. Yeah. We have sandals, waraches, some people call them, things like that. But it's it's different than like it is central or plains Indians or East Coast. You know, it's different, but we're all but that's, native. Isn't that always the natives that are like fetishized? You know what I mean? That's the very, I want right. to say stereotypical, but that's that sounds kind of derogatory towards them because it's not their fault that the right. Europe that they tend have, to fetishize them. But yeah. they do, they at us all under the same the same, the same yeah. little umbrella yes it's it's crazy because yeah. there are millions of indigenous peoples and no yeah, we do not all live in teepees and yeah there's uh, you know yeah, <laughs> yeah there's arizona there's 21 or most um indian tribes and in, and all the other states we have 21 um um indian tribes here and yeah. they're all desert because we have to survive in yeah. the desert and uh, we've adapted but yeah we don't we have like um sandals the mud huts mm -hmm. i remember my nana she lived in uh, adobe because it's really cool in the in the in the summer the adobe mm -hmm. it's really cool and it stays warm in keeps the, it real warm the, yeah yeah so they would make those yeah. mud huts like you're like your grandmother used yeah. to say, the mud huts. But I know what they are. They're, they're Go back to that mud hut village. <laughs> yeah, I can make me one. That'd be cool. But those are really good memories. And I, I really appreciate yeah. you sharing those and really keeping their memory alive. That's by doing that. And um, yes. I know Thank people you. are going to really love your, your, your story and connection. So that brings me to my one of my next or last questions is... Okay. Let's see how Snowbird, if somebody wanted to connect with you or listen to you or maybe check out some of your designs or work, how can they connect with you? That way I can, after the uh, podcast the episode is over, I can um, add those to the show notes, maybe Instagram. Yeah. I usually, I ask our guests and it's usually... Um, maybe a social media handle whichever one you prefer probably the easiest in sharing your email or phone number or a website where they can find some of your designs um if you want to yeah. share those with us right now maybe they can um get in touch with you or maybe get some of your artwork or maybe maybe they want to connect with you and know a little bit more or how did you find out about your lineage your history a lot of people are really interested and finding yeah. more about the Yaki people where they came from. Unfortunately, a lot of it ends like um, in Mexico, they didn't keep a lot of records or the Yaki were hunted down yeah, killed. So a lot of people did change their name like from their indigenous name to Rodriguez, Rodriguez. They took on Mexican surnames just to survive so they wouldn't be hunted down. But that's another part of the podcast or another... <laughs> But um, did they, do you have somewhere where people can maybe uh, a point of contact, maybe a social media so, site or handle? Yeah. So maybe I have a lot of that. And yeah, share them with I us and I'll will, add them. Yeah, okay. definitely. And with my family and stuff that I'm very, very blessed because my dad kept those stories alive mm -hmm. for us. So, and he was so specific in, in his details of what Pueblo it was, what, what area it was, where he went. You know, and because of that, I was, and because they came over the border, my mm -hmm. grandpa came over multiple times. Um, 
there was a lot of paper trail, you know, there was. So I am really, really lucky that my dad was a direct descendant of that person off the mountain. So the stories, what I mean by that is the stories didn't have to go far. It was a direct link. So I know that so many of our people, it, there's really not a way for us to reconnect as far as on paper. But again, that's not what's important. Of course, it it solidifies it. It makes it just like, wow, and mind blowing when you get those confirmations. But the ancestors will will bring you back. They will. But as far as getting a hold of me, and I, yeah. I also want to say that um, I really encourage people to reach out to me about my story. If you know anything, if you know more about the Yaquis that came over, out of the mountains, you know, into Texas, if you know more about those stories, I would love to hear and to learn more. Um, so I'm mm -hmm. hungry for the for that knowledge. And you guys can find me my, um, my uh, Instagram is Yaki Woman Designs. My uh, TikTok is Yaki Woman. It's just at Yaki dot woman. Okay. And my Facebook is under Snowbird Aquea. Um, but you honestly can find it even by just looking up Yaki Woman Designs or Yaki Woman. It usually pops up, um, but we can, I know Pete, you'll leave like an actual link I down will. there, a little, you know, so they can see I'll, how it's spelled and all that. Yes, uh, after the podcast is posted, I'm going to leave the links to all of those right now that you mentioned. So that we would cool. just click them and boom, they'll find you on there. Hopefully they'll, they'll connect and you guys can... Uh, connect i'm hoping to meet you someday i want to make a, I want to one of my little uh i guess a bucket list here i want to meet a lot of the people that i interview i've met a lot of people through uh social media i do clubhouse i've met a lot of people in phoenix and uh from the east coast i went to california i almost met a couple more people that i've interviewed but it was just we just didn't connect but i've met some other people that i've interviewed on the podcast, um, just, you know, doing uh, conferences and things like that. So I think we're going to meet one day. I think we will too. I actually really, really want to come down for ceremonies, for our ceremonies, come down for Holy Week. Um, next week. I mean, next, you know, week, next year. Next year, yeah. And I know that there's, um, you know, those art shows and, you know, like, uh, yeah, that would be yeah that you know i really want to come down for that i seen that on facebook and i was like man i want to come down and and be an artist that shows you know stuff down there yeah. and i give so much the, stuff uh, away because that's important we have the uh annual bosco yaki festival of the arts it's it's ongoing yeah. i think we're in our fifth year and that's done in early spring when it's nice and cool so that would be neat if you could come i did my first one last year and i painted some paintings oh and i got God. them from visions too like i was thinking right. like the deer dancer and i was thinking of things that i would like to paint and i want to do something different so that was really cool i got to do it. and i sold one of my paintings a couple of them so that was really neat That's but um, i'm hoping to Absolutely. do it again but i would love to meet you so that would be perfect either come down for the um our ceremonies during Holy Week, Quaresma, or even the Festival of the Arts. Yes. And, um, and uh, yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. Yes. I'm actually going to Mexico um, in spring, this next spring. So it might have to, might have to be a little Stop bit by. later. But, um, 
I'm actually going to go to the Yucatan. So that's going to be kind of crazy. And I think, um, you have a lot of, uh, yeah, I think I want to bring my children there and I want to dance on that port where they sold us. That's what I was going to say. That's a lot of our history. The, I don't want to say the darker part, but our history is the Yucatan. That's where they took a lot of the, our Yaqui people during that period of genocide to to be sold as slavery in the Yucatan area. Yes. So yeah, I that would bring be that history. And I I thought to myself that I thought it would be incredible to come back, you know, and to and to dance on that port, you know, and I think that there mm -hmm. it, it, I think that there's so much uh so much power in that it's just incredible even if it even if it's just to me and to my mm -hmm. ancestors you know into all the, all those people who were sold from that port you know and people coming in as well our black brothers and sisters and mm -hmm. just all those people all the negativity that happened on those ports um i'm gonna go back there i'm gonna go on vacation <laughs> <laughs> living good and then dance on it so all good things Make sure you share and post it on social media. That would be awesome. And we are back. Okay, so thank you, Snowbird. Um, we are just about wrapping up the pot, the interview. So I don't want to take too much of your time. I know it's we could talk a long time, and hopefully we'll meet you uh, soon uh, in real life, yeah. RRL. I like to meet our most of our host um i mean our guests hopefully we can meet someday that would be so awesome come down to tucson yeah. or i can go back over there i haven't been in your area in oklahoma i've been close on conferences and things so maybe if one oh yeah you can... definitely got to come down here come to a powwow then that would be awesome but yes yeah. so i want to ask you one last question before we end i always okay. ask uh, one question for our guests so my favorite one is Okay, lastly, so picture this, a hundred years from today, okay, okay, in the future, someone Googled your name, Snowbird Rodriguez, um, your name <laughs> next to the word accomplishment, so Snowbird Rodriguez, accomplishments, hundred years from today, we're all gone, um, what would you wish the results to be from that google search or it's probably not even going to be google back then it's i was like a question about be back, i, I like, know it's probably going to be google sure. search. it'll be some ai search or something but yeah. what 100 years from today what it's kind of like the legacy what do you want to yeah. be remembered or your children's children's children to the next seventh generations we always sometimes talk about yeah, that's a powerful question yeah. because because of, of the don't think about history, that, so, you know. Yeah. So yeah. okay, so, well, I'll just tell you. Um, yeah. you know, like I'm saying, that's a that's a really powerful question, and I I feel that way because of the history that I'm learning from my grandpa. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I know how important and how just man, you know it is when somebody looks back on that. So I think what I would want to be remembered by and known for is of course being a strong, strong UMA woman, Yaki woman, 
that broke colonial barriers and that, you know, stood up against colonial barriers, colonial oppression, and that the biggest thing that I want to be remembered is uh, by is that I reminded our people and all Indigenous people that we are the Indigenous people of these lands, that we didn't cross borders, borders crossed us. And yeah, and then the same thing I said before that, you know, we're older than all of those colonial concepts. And it doesn't matter if you know and can track down your history or if you know just a little bit of it. Um, it's so important. We are the indigenous people and that's what I want to be remembered by. Great answer. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Snowbird. That's a great answer. Like I, I mentioned, um, I don't think I'd, I said this, but on my last, I always say that um, we, me and you, or mm -hmm. all other indigenous UMA Yaki people, we are our ancestors wildest dream so they yeah. dreamt that you know what you know what do we want for our children our children's children and grandchildren you know we yeah. are we are right now our ancestors wildest dreams so they dreamt like i want snowbird i want pete i want everyone to have everything that we didn't have you know oppressed and all this so we are their wildest dreams, and we're living that dream right now, the Yaki dream. That's, that's what right. My, that's, that's, what my, that's what my friend Fred always says. We're living the Yaki dream right now. I love that. That is, I love that. Yeah, and it's so, true. We are, yeah. we are the, uh, the living legacies for sure. But we exactly. are, you know, we are the proof that they couldn't get rid of us. It yeah. was attempted genocide, but our who we are is too strong and so it yeah. didn't work and we are proof of that so i love that we're living the yaki dream yeah and all indigenous people too so yeah definitely perfect, perfect ending so thank you snowbird again we're gonna go ahead and um end the podcast and i'll definitely add all of the social media so that people can find your your website yaki woman designed it's really easy to find and uh yeah, thank you so much. You know what? Let's take a picture for, I know this is just visual. <laughs> um, it's going to be audio only, but I, I, I want to take at least a screenshot of the interview.